know what that was. We'll take it. Man, give it up for praise and worship this morning, huh? I'm telling you, we are absolutely blessed. There's zero doubt about it. I want us all to bow our heads and pray this morning. I've just felt God's spirit since early this morning, and I just want to continue to invite him in. Father God, we come to you right now, and I, I thank you, God, already for what you've done, what you're about to do, God. Um, I pray, Father, you would help us right now to just connect with you, to let go of anything that's holding us back, God, emotionally, spiritually, physically, anything, God, just to focus on you, Father God. I pray that you would just use me as a tool Father God, to, to share your word, share your love, God, and share your encouragement. Father God, we love you and praise you and invite you to just continue to dwell in this place as we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right. Well, we have tested mics this morning. Mine may or may not, Wowzer, come in and out. If it, it doesn't, we have a backup up here. But what I want to talk to you about today is... Um, Something that's been on my heart for a long time. And how many of you use your cell phones to type little notes in or reminders to yourselves? Anybody do that? So we were down in Florida last week. And uh, thank you to my beautiful wife for surprising me on a little last-minute trip. Um, we were able to disconnect for three days and just go and, and have a wonderful time. And uh, it was so awesome. And we got to visit a, a cool church down there. And uh, it's nice to also sit on the back row sometimes and just chill and worship. So we were able to do that. But while I was down there, I knew I was going to be sharing a message today, and, and uh, I said, God, just help me. Help me understand what you want me to share. And uh, Pastor Lou, who's a great friend of mine, said, you know, he was going through all the things and notes of sermons in his phone. And, and I was like, you know what, I need to look at my list, and there's uh, something on my list in there. And when I first read it, I was like, yeah, maybe that would be a good idea. And then as the week went along, God just confirmed it. And it's called Changing Our Narrative. And before I dive into that, I just want you to kind of be thinking about what your narrative is, and I'll give you a definition of that here shortly. So many of us have been through some pretty traumatic events in our lives, right? We could go around the room right now, and there's several people in here that have been through some stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read through a few things, and as I do, I want you to see if there's a connection point. One of them is death of a family member, special in your life. Satan, you are not going to defeat me. I will tell you that right now. All right. So one of them, you may have to turn this one down. Woo! All right, here we go. So, so seriously, you may have lost somebody special in your life, right? That's a traumatic, devastating event. The other is divorce. Uh, many of us have been through divorce, and we've lived with that. That's, that's a tragedy, a, a traumatic event. Physical pain or injury, maybe a severe car accident some of you have been in, a serious illness. Some of you have served in the military and you've experienced war firsthand, and I know that's a traumatic event. Natural disasters, we don't have a whole lot around here, but we do have tornadoes, right? But some of you are transplants in from a different uh, area, and you could have experienced earthquakes or hurricanes. That stuff's real, right? And it can rock your world. The other thing is, you know, we had, a, we had a Mattoon High School shooting. Everybody in the room here has been affected by that in some way or another. That was a traumatic event. 
Some other things are witnessing a death or parental abandonment. Some of you here, your, your, your folks weren't around at a young age for you, and that's traumatic. That's something that we got to work through. Uh, rape, there's some folks in the audience right now, or the congregation, that have been raped. And you, know, and, and you guys, if you're visiting for the first time, you're like, man, this guy is weird. I, I am. But I'm just going to share from my heart because these are real things that we got people dealing with. The other thing is domestic abuse and battery and all those things that can look very, very ugly. Prison, we've got some folks here that have had time in prison or jail stays, and, and that's a real thing, right? That's, that, that begins to change you. The list goes on and on, but I bet you most of us could relate to some of that, if not set some check marks next to several of those things. And the thing is today is in, in some of these cases, it has made us stronger, right? It's given us courage. It has shaped us into who we are today, and I praise God for that, right? And that's something we want to hold on to, and we want to use that energy the other side of it is, is these circumstances and situations that we've been through, they've provided challenges in our life and continue to provide challenges in our lives each day, right? And that's a real situation. That's a real circumstance also. These things are life-changing. And I just want to say that very loud and clear this morning. And I can relate to you on many levels inside of that list. My intent today is not to downplay or minimize these events in any way at all. My intent today is to help us look forward and move forward and not allow those things in our past to keep us from what God has for us. Amen? That's my intent today. I want to help us change our perspective, our narrative. So we can go after those dreams and hopes and desires that God has planted in us for good reason, right? Because he wants us to use those stories, those, those traumatic events in our lives to help those around us. So I'm going to challenge you first thing this morning. I want to challenge us today to start believing and living our lives like we're here on purpose for a purpose. And you say, Josh, you said that many times. And I do. I say it all the time. Because I believe it 110%. Everybody, every rear end and every seat and everybody listening online, you have a purpose in this life and God wants you to live out that purpose. Amen? That's what I'm talking about this morning. I want to share three scriptures with you. The first one is Jeremiah 29, 11, and most of you know this. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's a promise of God. That goes on in verse 12, and you don't have this, I'll just read it. It says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. This is God. This is our God, our creator, sharing this. He says, call on me, and I will come to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So whatever it is that you're going through, seek God. He's got a plan and a purpose for you, and he will come near to you. Psalms 23, 7 says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You have heard that before, but do you believe it this morning? That's what I'm talking about. I'm telling you what, folks, you can, you can walk out of here today the same as you did walking in, or you can walk out of here different. I'm telling you, it's about relying and believing in the Word of God to absolutely transform your life. That's where I'm at this morning. Joshua 1.9 says, I have not commanded, have I not commanded you a question? Have I not commanded you? He says to be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. 
Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So as we flip back and we go through that list and those tragedies and sicknesses and health and abuse and abandonment, all those things, he says, no matter what valley you're in, I'm here for you. I'm right here. And he's not going anywhere. And I want you to believe in those promises. So you're like, all right, Josh, so what's changing your narrative? What's that all about? So let's define narrative. It's this. I'm going to read a couple different things to you. It says, a way of presenting or understanding a situation or a series of events that reflects and promotes kind of a, a particular point of view and a set of values. That's one definition of a narrative. Another is this, a particular way of explaining or understanding events. That's a narrative. And then the other is telling a story or describing a series of events. So I want you just to take a quick snapshot of your life right now. When somebody says, what's your story? And I share that. Share your story. What is your narrative behind your story? What's that look like to you? How do you describe your story? What events do you highlight in your story? What's the emotion behind your story? How do you explain the details of what you've been through in your life? That's your narrative. If you were to draw a picture, I wish I was an artist, but if you could, isn't that amazing to watch people put an image? It, it, is, it blows my mind. But if you could draw a picture of your narrative from when you were born to where you are now today, what would that backdrop, what would it look like? When people look at a screen, what would they see about your life? What would you be drawing? What would the illustration be? What would the details you be pulling out for them to see? I want you to think about that for a minute. What is that? There's many things in our lives that we have little or no control over, right? The news being one of them. Another is the weather, the traffic. Can't control any of that. The soup of the day at your local cafe, right? You can't control that. You may have some ends, but they're going to make whatever soup it is they want to make. But guess what? You do have control over the one of the biggest things in your world. And that's your narrative. That's your story. That's what you share with people. Am I right or am I wrong? And guess what? It's your choice. As I studied this week, God brought all kinds of things into my world. I met a man. Uh, his name's Dr. Sharp. He's at the Harvard Medical School. Yep, met him just through reading his articles. But it was cool, man. I feel like I know him. And when you start reading about somebody, don't you try and dig in? Like, I'm like, what about this guy? What's his background? You know, I'm like, I'm diving in. But anyways, I'm going to use some stuff from Dr. Sharp today who really inspired me throughout this week. And one of his quotes is this. says, sometimes our narrative is not the one that contains the real facts about our life. And you're like, what do you mean, Josh? I know my story, right? What are you, what are you telling me? He goes on and he says this. He says, instead... It's the story you've been telling yourself about who you are and how everything always plays out. If you want to change your life, if you want to see transformation, your narrative needs to be re-edited. Isn't that good? Like I read that and I'm like, Dude, that's, that, is, that can be life-changing right there. Right? Because think about an author. Does an author, how many of you write? How many of you write stories, whatever it may be, Facebook posts, right? What, how many of you write in some way or another? Raise up your hand. It could be even for work, emails, whatever. Do you just, do you just crank something out and hit the send button? Some of you. Stop, Rhonda. Don't do that. Edit it. 
Woo! We can tell. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So think about it. As an author, as a writer, if it's wherever it is, you're going to re-edit that thing. You're going to go back. You're probably going to even have somebody else take a look at it. Think about a producer of a movie. Do they show up on scene and one time do the whole shebang right there? How many takes does it take to make a movie? Quite a few. They're re-editing. In our world, we can't hit the rewind button and go undo something, right? Because what we've already done is already out there. But inside of this quote, he's saying that you need to re-edit. Man, there's, there's some times that my narrative is, is re-edited and reset in my head almost every day. I'm telling you. Like, whatever it takes, that's what you do. And I, I want to point out a couple words that he said in here that really stood out to me this morning even. And I want to caution you around these words. And the words are this. He says, you've been telling yourself about who you are and how... Everything always plays out. Everything and always and never are three very dangerous words. Would you agree with that? Because everything is everything, always is always, and never is never going to happen, right? So be careful with those words in your vocabulary as you share your story, even as you live your life. Because guess what? It's not everything, it's not always, it's not never. Now, there are some situations, maybe, but for the majority, you need to be careful and cautious around those three words, because sometimes we can tell our narrative in a very downward spiraling, spiraling way because of the words that we choose to use. Would you agree with that? Amen. Sometimes we have what we call a skewed view of the reality that's going on in our lives. Because whatever our focus is, whatever, whatever it is that we're looking at, would you agree that that's the reality that we live in? So it's skewed. It may not be as bad as you think it is. Have you guys ever realized that? Have you ever been in a situation yourself where you're cranking through something in your mind and this thing has grown? This thing is snowballed. Your view is so skewed, you can't even hardly see straight. And then you have a great friend come around you and be like, man, I just don't see it that way. Have you looked at it from this perspective? And you're like, ooh, yeah, okay, well, that changes things a little bit, doesn't it? So guess what? We have the choice to do that on our own. We don't have to have a good friend or somebody to come alongside us every time. Write a sticky note, skewed view, hit the reset, whatever it is. Put it on the mirror. Put it on your dashboard in your car. Sometimes we need to hit that reset button so that our view is clear. Would you agree? That's what I'm talking about. Here's the other thing. How many of you have worked for a company that has hired a consultant to come in and take a look at some stuff? Raise your hand up, right? Right? So that's a good thing, though. Some, I know it could be. It could, I know. So I, this, could go, this is a whole other message. And we're not going down that path. So think about what a consultant does. Usually they have a specialized area of focus, right? They are experts in a certain area. So people hire those folks to come in to give them an unbiased view and perspective of what's going on, correct? That's really the idea. And to give them a report out and says, man, based on my expertise, based on my experience and knowledge and the view of the situation, these are probably the top two, three things you need to focus on. Is that helpful? You better believe it most of the time. Why? Because it's another view. 
He doesn't have any unbias about the poor decisions that your company has made over the last year or two or three, does he? No. Nor on all the wonderful decisions. So I think sometimes we need to go back to that in our head and say, where's my view? Do I need a fresh look? Do I need to re-edit? Okay? So then let's go on to this. As Dr. Sharp says, sometimes our narrative, our story is not always accurate. So I'm going to read a couple things. It says, some emotionally, and this is really the reason, one of the reasons why. So some emotionally difficult scenes are way over-included. So I want you to go back to page one. Death, divorce, pain, illness, war, terrorism, moving locations, parental abandonment, witnessing a death, rape, domestic abuse, prison. All that stuff is real stuff. But it says some emotionally difficult scenes are over-included. Included. Just think of all the things you can't let go of. My past, the, the, um, the emotional difficult situations in my life include drugs. They include alcohol. They include divorce. They include cheating. Those are some of the things inside of my world. But guess what? I'm not over-including them in my narrative, in my story. Are they a part of who I am and the situations and the troubles that I put myself in at times? They are. But guess what? It's also what shaped me into who I am. Other scenes are deleted, such as times when things do go well. So if you go back and you think about those words, always, everything, never, Right, We can overanalyze the negative things and overinclude the negative things in our lives so we're not seeing the truth. Because guess what? How many times have I asked you all to make a list of all the blessings in your life? How many times have I asked you to do that? A, a, a lot. Lori said six. She probably has a notebook. Yeah, there's another one. That's why she's phenomenal in the organization. Seven. So my point is we want to we highlight those things, right? Because a lot of times what we do mentally, and we may not physically, but we make a list of all the yucky things that have happened in our lives. And when we feel down, where do we go? We go back to that list instead of going to the list of all the blessings, all the great things that have happened in our lives. And who wants you to go to that place where it's all negative, yucky stuff? Satan. You know why? Because he doesn't want you glorifying God for all the blessings and the goodness and the things to be thankful for in your life. Amen? So that's why I share with you, write those things down. The worst part about a, the false truth or a skewed view is that it becomes our self-fulfilling prophecy at times. The basis of what we expect from ourselves in the future. Isn't that some phenomenal stuff? So what it's really saying is, guys, if you keep dwelling on all the stuff in your past, guess what's in your head? All the things in your past, and you're just, that's where your focus is. And if you're using those words, always, never, right? Those are the things that's shaping what's going to happen to you in your future. One of the most powerful things is a changed mind. T.D. Jake says that, right? The Bible says that a renewed mind, Right? That's what we want to do. We want to focus on the truth. That being the word of God and how God sees you. And all the blessings that you have in your life. Sometimes many of us hold so deeply these ingrained beliefs about ourselves that are simply not true. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they shared something intimate with you. And your view of them is absolutely the opposite of how they see themselves. 
it's, it breaks my heart. There's some people that have a view who nobody likes them, right? And everybody's looking at them and everybody's judging them for what the mistakes they've made in their past. And they'll never be anything because of those things. And then I see something, I'm like, man, you're a, you're a, you're a masterpiece. You have got an incredible story that God can use to help so many people. People don't look at you like that, right? But maybe that's you this morning. Maybe your view of yourself is a bit skewed. Maybe you just need to look at what the Word of God says about you and that you were created on purpose, for a purpose, to share your narrative, to share your story. No matter how dark and and scary it was, God has brought you through that. And guess what? The one that you're in right now, he's going to bring you through that one. Do you believe that this morning? That's what I'm talking about because the word of God says that. I'm right there with you. I'm not going anywhere. Hold on to me. We need to switch our focus. One of the other things that happens is, is we can begin to believe things that never happened. Have you ever watched a documentary, um, I'm sure we all have, on TV, a TV or a movie program where um, someone was convinced of a crime that they didn't commit? Have you seen that? Right? So somebody didn't commit the crime, but they were, commit, they were convinced by somebody else that did the crime or whoever that, that, that they had done it. And they began to believe that. Isn't that something? Well, I'm going to give you a real life story of my own about something that I put in my head one day. And this is, uh, Kylie's going to be like, what are you talking about? So this is one of the disadvantages of being a pastor's wife. Is sometimes, I will say things, Morty will say things, and our wives are like, what? Why would you say that? Come on, right? Because we don't run everything by them, most of the things we do. But anyways, this isn't, isn't all bad. Okay, hang with me. So, if we tell ourselves something over and over and over again, we can start to believe it, even if it's not true. So I'm on my way home from work. And this was 15 years ago. This is before I knew Christ. This is before a lot of things in my life. I was still uh, drinking very heavily, making very poor decisions uh, in my life. But for, for whatever reason, and I don't know what had happened. I don't know if Kylie and I were in a fight. I don't know if it was conviction in my heart about being unfaithful to her um, years prior to this. I don't know. But anyways, I'm driving home, and I begin to make up this story in my mind that she's having an affair. Okay, it's a 20-minute drive from Sullivan. By the time I get home, I am 1,000% convinced that she's having an affair with somebody. This, I truly believe to this day that God put that thought in my mind because of the level of ridiculousness to it of how our minds can go astray. She wasn't having an affair on me. It was completely made up. But in a 20-minute drive, I had myself convinced to walk into that house and say some very unkind things. And I think the other thing that was going on back then is, as I shared, two years into our marriage, I was unfaithful to her. So again, God was bringing conviction in my life long before I knew him. My point in sharing that intimate detail about my life is to let you know that, it's, that you may struggle with the same things. And you're not alone. You're not the only one. 
What you have to do, though, is you got to flip that switch. And if it takes you coming back to my story or somebody else's story to help you flip the switch, then that's just fine. I'll share every intimate detail about my life if that's what God wants to do and how he wants to use it. Amen? Satan wants to isolate you. Satan wants you to make you feel like you're nothing, that you're alone, that you have nobody to go to. He wants to put you on an island and make you think that every thought in your head, you're the only one around the world that has that thought. Well, that's a lie. Stay focused on God's word. The more that we have our heads in the word of God, the more clear our minds will be. And the reason for that is because the word of God is truth. This world that we live in is not full of a lot of truth. The other thing that we like to do at times is, um, in regards to our narrative, and I want to kind of come back to that, is um, we can exaggerate things. I know, big newsflash right there, right? Right, at times, we can exaggerate things into a catastrophe. Would you, would you agree with that? Man, it's so dangerous. Whew. There was a gentleman, he wrote an article, it's called Anxiety and Exaggerations Get Relief from Amplifying Things into ca- Catastrophes, right? So it's, he's saying get relief from that. His name's Bill Noss with Psychology Today. But I want to show you a couple slides. First, I want to I define what a catastrophe is. It says an event causing great and often sudden damage or suffering, a disaster. That's what a ca- catastrophe is. That is like, I mean, it's bad, right? I mean, there's some of, the, some of the examples on page one. Those are catastrophes in our lives, right? Somebody going through cancer, losing someone, battle with depression. Anxiety. I mean, th- that, those are catastrophes. I want to go through four points on exaggerating something into a, a catastrophe. And they, this gentleman calls it catastrophizing, which is a really big word. Don't try and... Uh, I've been practicing all week. Praise God, I got it out. Okay? I even have a note, like an F instead of the PH. But anyways, so I want to go through this. First one is this. Exaggerating, irrational style of thought where you plainly blow real or imagined disasters out of proportion. Anybody ever done that? Right? No. Jay says no. So I want to talk to him, Jeremy, afterwards. No, I'm just kidding. The next one is this. He says, magnifying and dwelling on present problems and anticipating future disasters. Has that happened in your life? Right? So you're so like, you're, you may be in the middle of a mess right now. It may be going on. Well, you're already thinking about how bad everything else is going to be going on in your future because you're in a mess right now. That's what a catastrophe is, magnifying, making it like, hey, instead of just dealing with it right here, face on, I'm coming right at you. You're so worried about what everything's going to define you in the future based on this thing. Get that out of your mind. This one, and this is good stuff. Manufactured misery. Woo! I'm going to write that on my dashboard, right? There is all kinds of manufactured misery going on. We can do it to ourselves, right? And misery, maybe it's a strong word, but seriously, how many of us, like, make things up? What did I tell you about the story coming home, right? That's manufactured misery. I don't know why I did it, but I did. So I caution you to stay away from that. The other is this, worry, anxiety, stress, panic. Those things are often the emotional expressions of catastrophic thinking. 
Because we begin to put everything in that bucket. Here's another example I'll give you. I read about this. So this gentleman, there's a very well-known law office inside of this community. This guy gets a, a letter from this law office, right? So how many of you have gotten a letter from an attorney that you were just like, I don't want to open that. I don't want to open that, right? Well, this, this guy, like, so he didn't want to open it. So a couple days went by. Well, not only did he let it just go by, but he worried about every possibility of what could be in that letter. I'm t- I mean, I can't imagine what was going through his mind. Maybe the people that he had hurt, maybe financial situations, I don't know. Two days, he finally got to the point where he was just a complete mess and thought, i got to open the letter. He opens the letter. And his great aunt had left him a painting. Right? How many of us, and maybe it's not a physical letter that you've gotten from a law office, but how many of us are not attacking whatever it is in front of us because we're so worried about what it is? Most of what we worry about will never happen. Seriously, it's like 85% or so. It's a huge statistic. Don't be that guy. Jump into that thing. Figure it out. I want to give you some solutions here, and then we're going to have a group activity. I'm really excited about this. Group activities, love it. So this, so how do I break this way of thinking? I want to to do a couple things. So pray, number one, pray, 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 right? Colton gave us another great witness this morning of what prayer does. We've seen it in and around our lives and other people's lives. Pray to our God. Focus on and believe God's promises. I've also asked you at times to write down those Write down God's promises. Stop blaming yourself for every negative situation. Some of you need to stop. You just, I'm just going to just stop. Okay? Just stop. If you need help stopping, then you come see us. And if we can't help you, we will help find someone that can help you. And I'm, I'm in all seriousness about this because... I don't want you to go through this life another day suffering and struggling inside of your head. Okay? God can absolutely renew your mind. Don't trip over molehills. That's so funny. Do you guys know how big a molehill is? It's really small. <laughs> right? But some of us, like literally, we like to make them even. We're like, well, I'll just I'll throw one down. So I'll just do you Right? Don't trip over the molehills. Kick the thing over. Keep moving. Right? Then jump over it. But don't make it any bigger than it really is. Except that no amount of complaining will change it. Woo. I'm not going to have anybody raise your hand on that one. And like I said, if you need help, let us know. We will help you. And if not, we'll find somebody professionally trained in that area of expertise that can help you. Okay? So group activity time. This is fun stuff. So excited. Before I do that, because I know I'm not going to have time at the end. I want you to think about the story of Joseph. Think about the story of Joseph, right? Think about his narrative. Think about what that could have looked like, right? Thrown in a well by your brothers, left for dead, right? Sold. Slavery goes on. Incredible. God used him in so many ways. Do you think that Joseph's story could have been a little bit different? Yeah. I don't know that our stories are quite as harsh as what Joseph's is. But what what a great example for each and every one of us about keep your eyes on God. Amen?
All right, so let's do this. Everybody stand up. And I want you to find some room. You're going to have to move around a little bit, all right? So everybody find some room. Um, and Morty, I'm actually have you come up here. Why don't you start playing a little bit, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll just transition. So, I mean, get out of your seats. No, I mean, fill this gym. Like, move. Like, get out. Seriously. I want you taking, like, four or five steps. And, and, and you don't have to worry about going back to your seat until we close, Okay. Spread out. Get out in the back. The back's wide open. If you got to go back there, get back there. Praise and worship. If you guys want to come up here, you, you're more than welcome. You have a little bit of space, but just don't walk off the stage. Those of you, those of you who you can't um, get up and move around, that's completely fine. You just you can do this from your seat. But I didn't want to tell everybody else that when we started, right? So I want you to think about your story. I want you to think about your narrative. I want you to think about your life. And I want you to think about focus, right? So sometimes we have a very small window, a very small, narrow focus about what our story is. Well, the reality of it is, is that we can look at our narrative, our story from many, many different angles. Really an infinite number of angles. So as you think about this life that you're walking through, I want you to pick something out on a wall. Maybe it's, don't walk into your neighbor, but pick something out right now that you're going to walk towards. Can you do that for me? Okay. And I'm pointing this way because I want you to see me. I want you to take both hands like a telescope, just like this. And I want you to close one of your eyes, and I want you to put your hands over the other eye that's open. Okay. Now turn and look at your neighbor. Just, you know, keep it, keep it close. Look around. Right? Isn't that like a really narrow focus? Isn't it? Isn't that wild? Now take a couple steps. Like, are you, are, how's that feeling? <laughs> That's a little scary, right? So take a couple steps back. And as we think about our narrative, we think about our story, we're walking through life like this sometimes where we have just a very small window that we're looking through. And sometimes we think that that rape or abuse or abandonment defines our lives, and that's not the case. I want you to keep looking through them. Keep looking. As we're going through this life, now I want you to take your front hand down so now you only have one hand over that one eye. Does that help? That helps, right? Now take that hand down, one eye open. Now open both your eyes. Isn't that amazing? I'm telling you what, that's the way, that's the way that God wants us to walk through this life. Eyes wide open, seeing all of His glory, giving Him all the praise, helping us work through our situations. So as you walk out this door today, I want to see that. I want your narrative to change. And like I said, if you're in a place this morning where you're like, I don't know if I can do it on my own, we're here. We're not going anywhere. You can come down front. And we'll pray with you. We'll be right here with you. So as we close this morning, stay spread out. You can back to your seat, whatever. But I want you to know that these altars are wide open. God may have spoke to you in some way this morning. And maybe you need to lay a tear or two down on one of these altars. And if that's you, I want you to do it. As you know, if you come over here to the right-hand side, we'll pray with you. If you want some intimate time, just you and God, come over here to the left. Let's praise and worship our all-powerful, mighty God this morning. Amen? Amen.